This is Secret Sauce, a podcast about the secret ingredients in artwork and life. I'm your host, Becca Borelli. I'm also an illustrator in Austin, Texas, and this is episode 13 with Jason. Hello. It's the title, With Jason. That works. <laughs> <laughs> I've been plugging your presence on this podcast for almost a month now. People are ready for it. Wow. <laughs> do they know who i am <laughs> for those of you um tuning in for the first time jason is my husband um i feel like if people have been listening for a little while they've heard me talk about you and <clears throat> on some of the stories in these episodes because one of the reasons i was excited to have you here is because you give awesome advice thank you <laughs> um Inevitably, in the in the past, people would ask me for advice working, combining business and art, and and I would always end up telling them stuff you had told me. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna um, we're gonna dive right in. But one of the neat Jason and I were chatting a little bit before this episode recording we were somewhat preparing we were somewhat preparing <laughs> not that you can tell not that you can tell that's <laughs> gonna be super organic um and we were t and he made me realize that um one of the things that is a huge part of this podcast is that secret sauce is in its essence um hidden it's like some of the hidden traits that we don't always give credit for the ways that we work and make stuff and live. And as I have more people on this podcast, I kind of want to talk about that because to me, um, it's really interesting. And Jason has fascinating, I don't know, hidden traits, but I feel like I could talk about that forever. I'm like kind of curious, um, <laughs> to like, I have these questions written down y'all. This is like super, this is Can turn super... your phone on to turn them to, to see the, the questions, right? <laughs> no, it's super not slick. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but secret sauce. Note, it... note to self, but next time we should write them down. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Go back in time. This is, yeah, this is going to be all of the mistakes like happening in this episode. It'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. I didn't think that this would, that would be like, oh, sure. We could text them back and forth. No problem. <laughs> oh, wait, we're going to forget bef between the time it takes for a, uh, back to, to do an intro and uh then forget to turn the phone on and have to fumble and and kind of like just keep talking dead air until the phone's ready yeah it'll be, <laughs> no one will notice exactly yeah <laughs> Unless... until we call it out <laughs> we're i'm just the call out kind of person anyway but um <laughs> secret sauce does reference the hidden skills that we use in life and our work and i'm just curious if you want to share you know one of the ones that comes to mind for you first or or what you sort of reference as like the superpowers you have that people might not be aware of on the surface. Yeah, sure. Um, so just to kind of set the stage, um, I'm a uh, software engineer, um, and uh, obviously this everything, all the content here is entirely of me and not of my employer or my uh, you know university or anything. This is all my brain. Jesus. <laughs> just me um so one thing that um oh and the other thing that might be useful is i have a, a phd in software engineering so i was in school for a while um 
So one of the things I think that people um, probably don't really realize because it's not in kind of a popular culture and it's not really talked about, especially if you look at movies where you have the, the typical narrative is you have some sort of uber hacker person who like just, you know, says three things and, or types furiously on a keyboard and then like uh, suddenly solves a problem. Um, one of the things that uh, for folks kind of not in the engineering uh, area is that um, it's very much a, a, a social enterprise. It's not, um, it's not something that is, uh, that you can do well just by yourself. It's, uh, you fundamentally have to be able to work well with people, um, and, you know, get them to understand where their, what their motivations are, what your motivations are, and, and also just like not be a jerk because people don't <laughs> want to work with jerks. It, I mean, it's, it's serious. Everyone knows people who are kind of jerks and you're like, well, if I have a choice, I don't want to work with them. They're, they're pain to work with. So you try to choose to work someone who work with people who are nice and who, um, you know, you have a good rapport with. So it's, you know, the soft skills are actually really, really important. And they're, they're something that you, you kind of learn by osmosis and via modeling. And, um, you just, you know, it's one of those, the hardest things you can, you, you can learn because it's not definitely not something that they can just plop you down in school or, or wherever and, and say, all right, you're, you, um, you know, you had a half hour training on this. You're now certified as a, um, someone with high EQ or <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a little more than that. You, you gotta, you know, it's, it's kind of like a lifetime thing and it's not solely within a job or anything like that. It's, it's something that you kind of learn skills, learn, learn ideas across your, your both in and out of work. Yeah. I can't speak for people listening, but I know I can speak for myself when I say, especially in the early months and years of, us dating I really did subscribe to that stereotype that you said of y'all I had I really thought Jason just went to work and sat alone in a room and did the, the crazy movie hacker shit like all by himself just like cracking code for the CIA or some shit I don't know what I thought he was doing and then I remember the first time that he worked from home and I could I was shocked to discover he's not alone he's on meetings all day with lots of people and your interpersonal skills are off the chain. They're good. I wouldn't go that far, but I, I'm not, it's not a train wreck. <laughs> I know, but yeah, everyone expects me to use a flamboyant language. There you go. Okay. <laughs> um, so we talked about similarities maybe, but yeah, <laughs> there's actually, one difference. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> I tend to, to use uh, minimal, minimizing language. You tend to... Expansive, like, yeah, expansive exactly. language. There you, go. you guys can all expect lots of really expansive language from me and lots of devil's advocacy from Jason. Yes, and minimization. Minimization. That's how we work. <laughs> and somewhere in the middle is like a pretty awesome balance, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, we that's one similarity that I was I was not expecting. And I think that's a huge part of why you were able to help me so much. Um, because most of my challenges in art were what you just described, learning how to bridge the gap between what I was making and then navigating cus 
uh, client and customer relationships. And I had always thought I was pretty good at that. I worked in serving and hospitality for a really long time. Um, but it was a totally different ballgame when I was making art. Well, it's definitely, there's kind of multi layers of it too. There's, and this, one of these things happens to everyone. It's, it's, if you're the one doing the work in the trenches, it's kind of a weird thing, but you actually need someone who's not to be able to say, yeah, that's, that's crap. Don't do that. <laughs> that, that, that expectation is unreasonable or, and to be honest, like if you look at how, how stores are, are set up, right, there's always a, a manager there. And the, the reason there is a manager, I think is not necessarily, or manager or tech lead or something, someone else besides the person who's interacting with the customer, customer. Um, and, and then they're just to be someone else to talk for the customer to talk to, to be honest. Like this, I've noticed half the time when someone says, I want to speak to a manager. Um, the manager says exactly the same thing that the, that the employee, that the, the first person said. It's just a different person. <laughs> and if you're in business by yourself, there is no second person. If you're <laughs> if you're the worker, the manager, the, the, the head boss, the HR, the you don't really have... Uh, you don't you aren't able to have that distance and so sometimes talking to someone else who does have the distance is super helpful because you're like yeah that's, that's kind of crap and I, I know we've talked about this just a little bit but that's one of the reasons i'm excited to you know potentially have jason on in future episodes is to be you know s- some formal distance but for for people that listen to this podcast that have questions about working in an art business background i just i was like maybe we could do just ask jason and could try that it definitely sounds cool it does sound cool we'll see if it we'll see if it happens i think it was your dad that came up with that name wasn't it i don't remember but that's that could be it sounds like something he would have said <laughs> yeah I'm, i apologize if it wasn't if i if i'm getting the person wrong um what are i mean that's a that's a big one but what are other similarities that you noticed? Because I think I was coming for a long time from this perspective that not only were we different, but our work was just like night and day. And then it was over the years that I realized, wow, how similar they're it's people. It's, it's people. It's, yeah, it's the same type of people stuff happens. I heard, I forgot who I heard it from. I probably have heard it many times in many many uh, iterations. But you know, fundamentally, we're we're all limited by the, the what we're between our ears it, it's you know people don't change right we, we you know we can get the latest mac or the latest you know w- windows version or, or <laughs> whatever and that that's always you know getting better but, but the the actual what each person can do how we all interact um that's not changing because we don't our brains aren't getting a lot bigger we're not getting new um, ways of communicating information it's all the same stuff so that that really is is kind of the same across um across different areas as long as you're dealing with people and that's everything um i think another another uh, bit of evidence for that is is it, you can look at management there's you could see people in management switch from crazy different um uh, areas, right? You can see people in software go to hardware, people in hardware go to software. You can see they probably could even go to managing like a hotel chain or something like that, even though it's vastly different because at the end of the day, they're just managing people and trying to get the most out of their, out of their people or, um, 
you know, making sure that, that uh, all the different employees, they're able to manage the employee's interaction or whatever they have to do. I'm not a manager, so I, I uh, don't know the details of it. Um, but at least you can see that, that there is something that is, is kind of invariant across these different organizations, these different uh, industries, and it's dealing with people. Yeah, that was really cool for me to to just sort of glean over the course of chatting with you about work um, hurdles because, and I've, I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, but I'm a classic Enneagram 4. And for those of you that follow Enneagram, you know that one of the big traits of a 4 is that they feel really alone and like a special little flower in their problems. And talking to you made me realize that my concerns about being able to be in business in an art business were really universal that everyone has concerns about like anybody that's trying to unite something that they care about with business or trying to monetize something that they love had really similar concerns as I did but I think I thought you know that I was just uniquely weird until <laughs> until I talked to you about it you know yeah it is interesting I mean I think I probably started that way but then the more you learn the more you realize oh Wait, no, every, we all have basically the same thing. <laughs> we aren't super unique. I mean, we are unique, but we're not. Both it, and. Yes, both and. Um, you know, there's always someone else who can do our job. There's always someone else who can, um, you know, fill a role in a community, fill any role that we that we have. Um, now, they may not be able to. There we go. There are the dogs. The dogs are barking. I'm sure that, I'm sure that there's someone very dangerous walked down the street. Thank, thank goodness we have them here. Uh, exactly. We never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I saying? Uh, that is probably done. Yeah, it was. I actually completely forgot too. The dogs are so good at that. I know. They like snap you out of your yeah. zone every time. Um, no, I. I think that's probably a really liberating thing for a lot of people. Oh, not not to being this. unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all unique, but we're not in the roles that we play. We're not. We're not unique. There's always someone else who can do do the job, which yeah. is is both liberating and also saddening. Yes, depending. <laughs> you on... really aren't that unique, <laughs> but that's okay. In each role, right? We're all we're all unique as people. We all have people stuff going on. We're not we're not you know we aren't the the roles that we are playing. We're we're definitely much more than that. So so that part is comforting. But the fact that you know as a employee as a artist business owner as a um pick your your role um you're not unique <laughs> I, I, someone else who can come in and, and take that role <laughs> which is good right and, and actually it's also good right if, if you for example becca you when you started out you were everything back end of the business back end of the website pick anything right and then you were able to to, to be able to hire some contract work to help with a part of that well great that's because that role that you had wasn't unique someone else can do it that's what you want <laughs> <laughs> so you can have someone else do that work and you can you can now change your role to to you know do other things so in that sense actually maybe it's not 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 that bad this is a good segue into the next question i want to ask you because and I, you, I've discovered that I'll have like a pretty solid narrative in my head for like what, what happened 
or the way that I perceive something happened and then I'll run it by you and I'll realize you had a totally different perspective. So that might be the case with this. But when I was first starting out, and I know this is true for a lot of artists because I've talked to a lot of my art friends about this, there is a sort of prevailing idea that there, that artists won't be good at business. And I was really sensitive about that topic. I mm-hmm. had a lot of stress around that idea and I got triggered pretty easily around that idea. And I remember um, you were the first person that kind of enlightened me to this idea that there's a big difference between being sensitive about something and taking something personally. And I didn't mm-hmm. know if you want to elaborate on that a little bit. Maybe, yeah. So um, there's things, uh, one of the soft skills, right, is is being able to um, notice things so that you can actually at least notice them. Um, you may not be able to act on them, but at least notice them. I mean, we try to, to um, you know, keep ourselves um, set up so we, we can do that because it helps us do our jobs better. Um, but then there, there's, there's, you know, understanding that, okay, maybe, let's take an example, maybe you did a crappy job on something. It happens. It everyone, happens. <laughs> <laughs> everyone does it. Um, and so someone might call you out on it. And, and that's okay. You, you might not, you may not feel great, but it's like, okay, they cared enough about me to call me out on it. If I did a shitty job and no one called me out on it, that means no one cares about it. That means no one cares about me. <laughs> so th- there's there's kind of framing, and maybe that's not true, but that's the narrative that I, I try to have. So because framing it that way leads it leads us to to be able to think through things in a way that that's positive, right? If you get feedback, criticism, whatever, you can take it as okay, this person cared enough to spend the time to. Now, obviously, if it's a troll, who cares? Like whatever the troll. Mm-hmm. But I mean, someone who actually did something, actually spent some time to give you some criticism or, or some feedback. Um, that's something that is, you know, that's profoundly useful and they you know, took the time to do it. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> it, is, it is awesome. I don't know if that's where you're going. No, but. I was. I'm, no, in fact, you had this much more versatile story around criti- critical feedback. Um, you know, looking at, you know, because... It actually, and I, maybe I, I ought to point this out before I go any further. It took me some time to realize because you're, you would almost never get worked up about anything. And so for a while, I used to think that you were just really insensitive. And then I would say about a year in, I realized you're just as sensitive as, and intuitive as me, but you would never make it, you would never like think it was about you. You always took it as information and I love that I love I love (laughs) presumably (laughs) and that helped no that helped me tremendously because I um I I wanted to talk about that because a couple of the earlier episodes in this podcast that got the most early feedback was about where artists were sensitive as fuck (laughs) (laughs) and it was I the the feedback I got from a lot of people was wow it's really liberating to like hear of sensitivity being described as something other than a pejorative because you know in our Mm -hmm. culture it's like um and you're 
I don't think anyone would describe you as a pushover, <laughs> but you pick we'll up, see. you're sensitive, you pick up on everything, but you're not sensitive in the way that we think about it. Like in the movies, we picture someone crying and, or taking everything personally. You don't do any of that. Um, but you notice every, you notice everything. Yeah. You do. I mean, I mean, there, um, it'd be remiss to say that, that there's a difference between, there's like a good taking things personally and like a bad taking things personally. So you can take things personally. I take things personally. Like if I own something, if this is my thing at work, right? I'm told I, I need to, this is my product, then I'm going to own that product. So when someone says it's a piece of crap, I'm going to say, okay, is it a piece of crap? Yeah. And then I'm going to do my best to fix it. Right. And, I, and I'll also be honest about it. Yeah, it is a piece of crap. Like it's a piece of crap in this way because of these five things. And can I, you know, can I do anything? Um, so owning it there or taking things personally there is like, if the thing like doesn't do a good job, I'm going to take it personally. I'm going to make sure that it, that it doesn't happen again. Cause it, you know, that's from a positive sense of, in my opinion of taking it personally. Then there's also, um, being able to, to kind of, uh, differentiate between their, their, crapping all over your your product your or, or the product right the, the the tool you're building the widget you made the art you made whatever they're not crapping over you well they could be but you don't want to take it that way exactly <laughs> they're they're um you know the the way we, we the way that in the ideal world right we would be critiquing each other's products as we want to right as much as we as we can and, and giving critical feedback there but it's not never about the person right there's all people always have stuff going on going on in life so it could be you know their dog just died or their you know their mother's sick or you know their kid just um uh just had a really great uh great quarter semester whatever kids are on these days and you know they they, they had to like celebrate and, and take the take their child out and, and show them you know, this is what happens when you do well. Um, you know, both positive and negative, right? Things that can be going in their life that would make it so that, you know, maybe that wasn't their best work, right? Maybe I did the same thing. Um, this stuff happens all over. The more important thing is how you respond to to that, that adversity and that criticism. You can dig yourself. What is it? I, I heard a line from, a, I forgot his name. Uh it was on a web thing, but it was like, you could, you could either uh, dig, uh, if there's a problem, you can either dig, you're in a hole, you can either dig yourself down or dig yourself up. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> you just, you always want to make sure you're, you're digging yourself out of trouble. Would you, would you say to elaborate on what you just, your point there, would you say it's fair, a fair way to rephrase what, your point to say that the information that someone shares is about you or your project or your product but the way that it's shared is more of a reflection of them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Oh, and, and it <laughs> could be many things. Could be uh, their command of the English language. Could be their where they're culturally coming from. Could be, you know, it, for example, there are certain cultures where that are very, 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 very direct, um, like yelly direct, um, and that's normal for that culture. Um, there's some that are very, that are the opposite, where um, the normal U.S. culture is actually very, very, um, very, very strong in that. Just our, our the way that we're talking would actually be very strong. It would be um, wouldn't be normal. Um, so this so it can be for a variety of reasons. 
not only does it may it say something about them, but it, the thing that it says about them may not be what you think it is. It may actually be they just don't they they're not a native English speaker, and so they. <laughs> you yeah. helped me. You helped me with that. Do you remember when I got a children's book illustration request yeah. from someone from Malaysia? Yeah, yeah, and he was in Houston, but he had he hailed from Malaysia, and he was. How do you remember how you helped me? Because you had. Some I just insight. remember. I remember he was being very wishy-washy and not really direct. Yeah. And, um, and he just, didn't. He didn't like it when I was direct. Yeah, and I just like okay, that's that's a cultural thing. You just know that's that's something that compared to the U.S. that's just different. It's, it's okay, just as long as you know what's happening. Um, actually, I'm trying to think. I had a grad student friend who had a, f- a funny anecdote, and I, I don't know if I'll be able to. Uh, the, the grad student was TA in a class. He's a math grad student, I think. Um, and he, he was not a native English speaker. Um, and he, um, someone was asking a question and that he was trying to, trying to, um, to ask him what was going on. The, the grad student was trying to ask the person, I don't know if it was a male or female, that doesn't matter for the story anyways. Um. Uh, and the grad, the grad student was trying to understand, you know, What's going on? So he kept saying, what is your problem? What is your problem? Ugh. Right? And that's not, that's that's yeah. someone who's not, a, not an English speaker would say that because they're not intending to be mean. They're not intending to be, um, to put people down at all. They're just command of the English language isn't, isn't what a native speaker would be. Okay, that's that's fine. Once you know that, you realize, and, and I'm sure that grad student afterwards got some feedback to say, what you thought you were saying was not what you were saying. <laughs> you got to be careful about that. But but you know having the the ability to to kind of step back a little bit and say okay where it may not be that person's being a snot and it might and I'm not being a maybe I'm not being a snot and that person's not being a snot. It's we're just not communicating well because of some other reason. And okay, you know it's interesting because um, I. I think one of the things that makes me really good at making art is that I feel things pretty deeply. I mean, y'all know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, my understanding has always been that then it's been really hard for me to like turn down the volume <laughs> when it comes to like, you know, I turn up the volume pretty high when I'm making art and then it, it feels like I have to like kind of turn the gauge down when I'm, about to engage in a conversation with a client or with a customer or with anybody because there's this element of giving people the benefit of the doubt. And that can be mm-hmm. really hard to do when you spend a lot of time, you know, deeply like feeling the nuances of the planet while you're making like a drawing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you, and well, so that's been helpful for me to, to chat with you about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, maybe I'll talk to you later. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, it's actually an interesting segue into your profound growth mindset. Your sister was the one that like first kind of clued me into this because you, and this is something I view to be one of your secret soft skills <laughs> i hate that they're called soft skills but it's by the way i did, like it's such a pejorative that's the word soft i know you don't you're shaking yeah i don't know yeah. i don't know why why it's called that but i've heard eq is used sometimes and but i don't know if that 
truly involves soft skills because you could probably have a high EQ but still not be used, not be fun to interact with or, or e- miss things. EQ is emotional quotient. Yeah. Yeah. For people that are unfamiliar with the. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. I made an assumption on the audience. That... <laughs> <laughs> There's most people probably know. Um, but one thing that you are really good at, and I know you're not the only person good at this, but I think that you are good at this in a way that is very rare is that you are not, um, you don't have a tremendous amount of ego attachment to what you do or say or make. And if someone shows that you're wrong, you are so comfortable with revising anything that you've made, said, done. Um, and I know that you're not just like putting on airs. Like I can feel how, um, totally open you are to pivoting. It's pretty impressive. And I was just curious if you, have any perspective on why you are so good at that, like from your childhood or from your current um, employment situation or what? Cause it's, it's awesome. No, I, I yeah, I was thinking about it. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, there is a piece of, you know, we're not knowing how, um, if you take, take a step back off, off of whatever you're doing, right. You want that the thing you're working on to be super successful, right? Because that that will, if you're you know an artist and you're you're um, own your own business, well, that makes you money. <laughs> so so you don't care. I mean, in some sense, you don't really care how it gets there as long as it's great. Um, and the same thing actually happens just generally, right? We we we're working on something we want it to be the best that we can, um, and so. And maybe if this was probably grad school, um, because I saw people in grad school. Um, so I was in a reusable software research group at Ohio State. Um, and one of the professors, uh, who I think was a, a emeritus at that point, uh, Dr. Bill Ogden of Ogden Lemma. Um, I saw him every time if, if you were a grad student and went in there and tried to prep for something prep for a conference prep for i don't know what whatever dissertation defense whatever no matter what you did he would be um uh he would be a contrarian to whatever you had in there <laughs> and he would try to beat it down i don't know anyone like that yeah i don't that skill uh, <laughs> and and he would do it because and, and the first the first few times it would happen you you would kind of think that's a little harsh. And then like, why is he doing that? I know he doesn't agree with what he's saying because I've heard him say the exact opposite like 10 minutes ago. What the heck's going on? Um, and then you realize, oh, it's because he cares. He wants, he really cares. When you come in there, he, the fact, the mere fact that you were there meant that he cared, he cared and wanted you to do really well. So how he did that was he wanted to make sure that you hit everything that you could possibly get that you, all the crazy, goofy questions, anything someone could go in and try to poke a hole in whatever you were doing, he wanted you to hear that before you had to go out for real. Um, and so at some point, you you realize, oh, he's doing it because he cares. He's not doing it to be a jerk. Now, granted, I've seen other people do it to be jerks. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, uh, and, and so that was a great great skill and also a great learning experience. And, and also, other, he's just one that sticks out. I know my advisor, Bruce Whitey, also would would not as directly as that but would also do something similar and 
other folks at Ohio State would also be very, very good about giving you feedback, maybe not as contrarian and, and uh, just set up to, 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 to try to, to poke holes in whatever you're doing. Um, and they all did it because they cared about you doing well. It, it wasn't like they're once, you know, most of them had tenure. They didn't care. I mean, it, from their job perspective, right? They don't need to care if anyone would do particularly well. They wouldn't actually, most of us weren't even their students. So there's no direct benefit. It's just they're in it because that's what they, they care about people in their sphere who are interacting with them doing well. That's it. Um, and so that's once you kind of get, okay, that's how I need, that's, I like that as a grad student. That was great. And it is actually pervasive across even folks not in that research group. You could talk to any professor and, and kind of get similar types of feedback. Um, granted, it'd be a little, not nearly as detailed if it was someone you were marginally affiliated with, but um, it's like, that. that's great. Like, I, I want to make sure that when I, whatever interactions I have with people professionally, that I want that same type of thing. So how do I do that? How do I make sure that happens? Well, one, I want need to make pe people feel comfortable. So if I'm in a leadership position, well, then I'm going to do things such that I will be in that spot and people can critique me, right? I have to show that I'm not, um, not immune to that level of criticism and be fine with taking it. Um, and then also give that to other people, maybe not as, um, you know, I'm not as possibly direct as Bill could ever be. Um, <laughs> he's a super smart guy. Um, <laughs> but you know, being able to give the, the feedback to people to say, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you, you know, and, and have it come from a place of, I want you to do really well. I want you to succeed. This is coming from that place. I want to talk about that because, um, it makes me think of, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, he talks a Begin lot about... Begin with that in mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, but he also talks about the personality culture, this focus on what we, what we look like and what we say and what we do, and that some people can have this disconnect without realizing it. I think a lot of artists can relate to getting feedback. Or, I mean, that's just, it's just an example, but for if an artist is getting feedback, um, I think a lot of people can relate to hearing words that say, this is because I care, this is because mm -hmm. I want you to do better. And then instead, but the, the feeling is this person actually doesn't like me at all. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be trying like, to turn me down. it can be a mind fuck. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really... This is probably one of the single most intriguing reasons I just wanted to know more about you is that you are more than anyone I had met prior. What you say and the energy that you project, and I know you don't like that word, but I love that word, <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is always been really in alignment. Like I've never felt like you've ever said anything that you didn't like live and model and act in your life. Um, I never, and I think that there's a lot of, I don't know if you find this, but I've discovered there is a lot of disconnect between what people say. Well, the jokers? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's there. And, and if you're reasonably sensitive, you you know it and you're like, oh, all right, I'm not going to pay attention to you. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like that that's how it works, right? It's so, so it, it's, it's both, it's a two-way street, right? Because uh, from a... Um, from someone who sees that, you're like, oh, 
I'm not going to take you seriously, right? Like the feedback you're giving me, like you're just trying to turn, I can feel it off. You're just trying to tear me down. So this is probably not legit feedback. So I'm just, eh, whatever. Um, but also uh, on the other side, like, well, then if I know if, if I can tell that off of other people, they can tell it off of me. So if I'm, yeah. if I'm not providing, if I'm, say someone asks me for, um, to review something and I barely review it, um, or I give them a one line statement on like people notice that, that like you didn't care enough to actually spend the time. Yeah. So, and there's sometimes where it's maybe it's not that it's maybe it's because you just didn't at the time, uh, but then you own up to it. You say, Hey, sorry, I, I didn't have a lot of time to look at this. This is all I could, this is the best I could do, or this is what I, well, this is what I found, but I really didn't have enough time to look at this, have someone else look at it as well. Um, yeah, no, I mean, people notice like, and actually it's the same thing with, uh, I, I remember you had a lot of challenges initially with like, um, timelines and like people asking for WeWork after the thing is basically done and you have to redo everything. And it's, some of it was, maybe it's not directly related, but some of it was people just didn't know what they're asking. They don't have any clue. So they're like, oh, hey, I noticed. I want this piece over on the other side of the drawing. And you go, well, that's going to take me the whole, that's basically just doing a, doing a new drawing. That's, I mean, I don't have to think about it, but that's doing a new drawing. So that's like two days of work. And the person doesn't know. And I did not set that expectation up initially. It's it's easy, especially when you're starting out and you're like learning the ins and outs of communication. It's easy to want to assume that that person's just being a jerk. Like, yeah. oh, they just are trying to take advantage of me. I think a lot of artists worry about getting taken advantage of. And so they instantly, and I'm making a generalization, but I know that, that that's a, a concern for yeah. a lot of creative people is getting taken advantage of. And so it's easy to automatically assume, but you really showed me that, most people are really reasonable. Ignorant. Yeah. They just, why would they know? <laughs> yeah. Why would they know? Yeah. It, 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 and, but, you know, one thing you can think of is like, think of some, something that you're not particularly, um, uh, you don't have a lot of knowledge in pick, I don't know. I'm going to be, I'm going to say something silly, but like, you know, civil engineering, right? How do we make buildings? You know, if you, if you make a change in a, if you ask to make a change on a floor, I have no idea how that changes the structure of the building. I have no idea how much work that would entail. I presume they'd have to redo like the load plan on the building. What's what loads are going on to what wall, who knows. Right. Um, and that's something that we could easily make that mistake of just saying, Oh yeah, just, just move this wall from here to there. No problem. Right. Yeah. Actually, I actually recently was working with a subcontractor on a, a mural project and I started to notice that this very, very friendly point of contact um, that I've been working with was starting to get like a little short in the emails. And I was like, oh, the energy feels like annoyed. And I realized after a little bit of time that I, we kept changing the timeline. And it t to me, it was no big deal. because I, But because I was so unaware of what their work was. Yeah. I came to find that it was a really big deal, like that I would was really messing with them every time I would do that. And it, it's nice to see it on both sides because yeah. it gives you compassion then. For well, and I think that's also something that makes a, can make us be very good at our jobs is, is to have that ability to go, 
and say, okay, this is my core area, right? I'm, I'm, I, I do illustrations. But when you have a client, you go that little step further and understand their business. What do they need? What are their motivations? What are their timelines? How are they set up? Like if, if it's a, I don't know, if it's like a, a commercial space, they probably have very short timelines, very compressed, um, not likely stuff's going to mess around. They're probably looking for an opening or, or I guess maybe there might be two types of jobs. I'm just guessing maybe one type would be for an opening the other one might be for for like just a refresh um they probably have reasonably good timelines but they aren't aren't super um not not it's not like it's going to be if it's missed it's not like it's going to cause any big issue um i bet if you're working for like something in the medical field you're going to look at long timelines because everything has to be durable for use in a hospital or whatever um and then but the timelines are probably pretty strict even though they're going to move out because of that type of thing like there's going to be funding or, or government right there's going to be times when when um money has to be spent between these days <laughs> right so it has to be done between this time and this time otherwise there's no money um it's just a reality of the business and so having that ability to be curious and talk to people and understand what who you're working with and what their their constraints are, what their motivations are, and then what they're what they don't care so much about. That actually helps you, I think, do a good job of. If you have to negotiate things, you can nego- you can negotiate that. You can negotiate the right types of things. If they're if they want to ex- suddenly expand the stuff in the in a, a mural or something, and they're one of these businesses that can tolerate a lot of slop, you can say, okay, well, I can do the same cost, but it's going to be spread out over a long period of time because I've, I've, I have other business that I scheduled in there. Or if it's something else that is maybe has money that has to be spent by a certain amount of time, then you have to, well, like, you know, I have to basically push out my other business. So that means I have to, you know, do some, there has to be something to, to account for that. Right. And so anyways, that types of thing can, can help you with negotiating if, Negotiating and under, really understanding what your, um, who your your collaborators and um, you know what what they're dealing with. This is really interesting too because um, you on, on the on the topic of this point that you just made. When I began, I didn't realize that I was. So I had sort of bought into subconsciously um, this idea of a starving artist artists aren't good at business. And so I came into it thinking if I can just be a badass and get it all right, I can prove to myself in the world that I'm capable <laughs> of, <laughs> of having an art business. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty messed up story to tell, especially when it came to learning new. Business. What does getting it right mean? New, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? No, I know. And especially in all these disparate fields, like yeah. the medical field um, the, or any field. And I used to come to you with these like really insane, like I know one of them was email turnaround time yeah. where I, I felt like in order to be taken seriously, I needed to respond within like, you know, 30 to 60 minutes or something. Like no one does that. No one does that. And especially for stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. And also, we're, <laughs> we're, I mean, that's a pretty simple example but also like yeah. going on up to um what was your instagram stuff because oh, you were on that in, 
like that that response time was also insane oh, for a I while know. yeah i well and i think part of that was the the, the culture of instagram is just bananas <laughs> i was watching what other people were doing and trying to copy it and it was not sustainable well and but also it, um well i guess they're bad bad modeling but it also has to do with you know what who your business is. Are they doing the same type of business that you are? The answer yes. was no. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and your the people you were talking to didn't really care if you got back to them in a day compared to an hour or ten minutes. They and didn't the, care. Yeah. It's totally elastic. Yeah, and I also learned that people didn't expect me to understand their business right away. Oh yeah. That that it was okay, like especially when I had. A new client that was in an industry that I had never worked with before. I mean, it, it would be inevitable that I would um, stumble when it came to you know specific needs they had, preferences they had, priorities they had. But they were very aware that they were hiring an independent artist, and that that was like really liberating for me to realize that. That, yeah. that generally speaking, people don't expect you to be fucking superwoman or, yeah. or man. Yeah. Um, well, they know who they're hiring. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it, it, going going back to the beginning, right? If you're if you're easy to work with, if you make a mistake, you you try your best to fix it. You don't dig yourself into the hole. You don't keep digging yourself into the hole. You dig yourself out of it. <laughs> like that. That's those are the types of things that make people want to work with you because they know that stuff happens. We're all human. We all have lives outside of work. It just happens, and it might. So that's yeah. And, and actually, people like actually telling other people about their business. Like, you know, what do they do for a living? What's what's interesting about it? You can, you know, if you, I don't know, every, to be honest, every time I've, I've, every area that I've worked, I've always tried to learn more about the business um, outside of what I do. Because software is typically supporting something. Um, so learning what the something is, is actually really interesting. And then, Oh, lo and behold, I get to see other places where my where my skills might be useful, or I, it's just to me that that's actually super interesting and it makes it fun compared to you know doing the same thing all the time, doing um, you know without if you're not innovating, not making things simpler, better, whatever. It's boring. Who wants to like deal with you know? Um, manually doing contracts for every single person every single client like that would suck like automate something or get get a lawyer or anyways there's ways that you can do to make yourself uh, better and also understand all the new areas that you're working in and to me it makes life it makes things a lot more fun (laughs) absolutely i love chatting with you about this kind of stuff because and sort of to wrap up i um I don't know, like I spend huge chunks of my day like channeling magic from other dimensions in my art, Jay. <laughs> and then I'd come to you and I'd be like, you know, losing my mind over some like very minuscule little wording in an email or or whatever. And your approach was always, oh, this is this is fine. And mm-hmm. I I to me that energy of this is fine this is everybody is I think almost just as magical as like funneling fairy dust into my ink (laughs) drawings. Right. I mean, (laughs) um, and that's why, 
you know, I think that it's kind of fascinating to chat with you about this kind of stuff. So thank you for coming. Sure. Yeah. Um, Secret sauce, y'all, in its essence is this idea that, um, and I said this in the first episode, but um, you don't have to be the best at the thing that you do. You just have to be yourself and interesting and authentic to what you're trying to do. And that like, kind of like Jason said, people pick up on that. They just like sense it. They sniff it out. Um, if they can kind of feel where you're coming from on something. And this podcast is a way for me to talk about those kind of stories, but also to bring people on and chat more with them about the ways that they try to be authentic in their life and work. And, um, my hope is to invite Jason back in the future. Um, I'm not totally sure how this is going to work because this is incredibly organic, but what we're kind of hoping for is that um, if people submit um, questions through BeccaJBorelli at gmail.com or through our contact web page at Borelli, uh, B-O-R-R-E-L dot L-I or BeccaJBorelli.com um, on the contact page. Um I would put, I don't, I don't know, like maybe the subject header would be just ask Jason, but I'm going to also be posting about this on social media. What are people interested in getting feedback um, from on someone who is just secondary? Like that was something that he brought up early on in the episode that I think is fascinating. Like when it's just you making a thing, it's really hard to sometimes have that distance. And so wouldn't it be neat to use secret sauce, just ask Jason for a little bit of distance from some random artist that you've never met. Exactly. And it could be anyone. Just make sure you have someone with some distance. Yeah. It could, <laughs> that's And that is a true statement. It could literally be anybody. So um, thanks y'all for tuning in. I look forward to um, tuning in with you next Monday.